Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Hi, Rod Taylor, $100 million. <laughs> Did he win the lottery? I mean, Colin Kaepernick lottery. What was your first reaction? What the hell? <laughs> I mean, seriously, say it out loud. Tyrod Taylor, $100 million quarterback. At this time last year, he was a backup. This is Buffalo, and there are certain cities in America are low self-esteem sports cities. Cleveland, Buffalo. Ryan Fitzpatrick's good for a half. Keys to the city. <laughs> Mario Williams wants to play for us. Keys to the city. This is ridiculous. I don't understand why Rex Ryan is sending you the DM. It should be Doug Whaley, the general manager, who needs his head examined. That's who did this deal. I don't get it. I, I don't understand why you'd want that messaging out there. I, I, listen, again, I call it the Colin Kaepernick uh, lottery, but Kaepernick actually won games and played in big games, oh, yeah. played in the Super Bowl and got a bunch of money. And outplayed Aaron Rodgers in a big game. Right. What has Tyrod Taylor done? To deserve any type of... I think there's of an ulterior motive here, guys. Rex Ryan's going to be out of work next year when they miss the playoffs. He's lobbying to you for a job at this network. <laughs> I'm not He'll hiring. Get, he is made for TV. <laughs> no thanks. Um, I think literally everything they said was wrong. I think everything that Colin Cowherd and Jason Whitlock just said in that clip that Nate Geary played, Sports Talk Saturday, Matthew Collar, Nate Geary, Everything they said was wrong. Almost, I mean, no, not almost. Every single thing that they just said was in some way either ridiculous or just straight up factually incorrect. Can we go through that a little bit? I'd like to go through that. That was, what is his show name? The Herd, and quite honestly, I cut up some parts out of that. So I'm going to play the, we're going to play the whole thing so we can, got, and just a little background, Matthew, Apparently, now I don't know if it's actually Rex Ryan, but Rex Ryan apparently messaged Colin Cowherd saying, can you get off our backs now, like, now that we've got our franchise quarterback? So this is apparently the background as to why he decided oh, to see. go on this rant. Okay, all right. What, are you going to play it? Hey, okay. Colin, a.k.a. Jerkface, jerk <laughs> please tell me why you always hate him. Now that we have our franchise QB, can you finally admit I've got this team headed in the right direction? Tyrod Taylor, $100 million. <laughs> oh, I Did see. He so he's trolling Rex. That's what he's trying to do? I, I guess, but in the process of trolling, he sounds not right. Okay, all right. Keep going. The lottery? <laughs> I mean, Colin Kaepernick lottery. What was your first reaction? What the... Hell. I mean, seriously, say it out loud. Tyrod Taylor, $100 million quarterback. Well, we could stop right there because it's 92. It's not, it's not 100. And it's not a $100 million deal, just like Mario Williams wasn't a $100 deal. I don't even know if I have the energy to go through this whole thing without just having my head explode into a million pieces. I mean, what this really tells you, there's a guy who does great work at the website spottrack.com, right? And he's got a great breakdown of Tyrod's contract, what it means. If you haven't heard yet, it's basically a one-year deal, and the team has the option to pick it up, pay him a bunch of money, make him the franchise quarterback, if they want to, after this year. 
And if they don't want to, they can snap their fingers and it disappears. Now, there was some report about having to give him some money, but that would just be cash. You wouldn't have to give him uh, more of salary cap room. Uh, The cap number is totally manageable. The team will not have to rip their uh, roster apart because of a tie rod contract. And again, it's not a what the bleep contract. It's a one-year contract for a guy who played 14 games and played pretty well. All right, carry on. I can handle it. At this time last year, he was a backup. Okay, stop. Why is that relevant? I mean, why is that relevant at all? That is probably the least relevant point you could ever make. That's the first point that he decides to make. So I'm making my list of points that I want to say about an issue, about this contract with Tyrod Taylor. The first point when I thought of this as the contract was coming out and knowing I was going to talk about this today, the first point that I wanted to make was that it's absolutely a prove-it deal that Doug Whaley had said over and over and over again, good start, we'll see. Good start, we'll see. And he lived up to his word with this contract, that it's good start, here's some money for you, go buy a car, and then if you are amazing this year, then you get to buy lots of cars because we'll just keep you and give you tons of cash. That's the first point I would want to make, to have everyone know who's listening that it is clear that it's basically a one-year contract with options for the Bills. That's point number one. Point number 7,542 would be that he was a backup last year. It is the most irrelevant possible thing that you could say about Tyrod Taylor because there were lots of quarterbacks who were backups and then were good. Was Tony Romo a backup at some point? Was Steve Young a backup at some point? Was Aaron Rodgers a backup at some point? Well, this Aaron Rodgers guy, what did they do? He was a backup last year, right? And he's a Hall of Famer now. So what? I just I, Russell Wilson was in college the year before he was a rookie, and then great. Every player was nothing before they were something. And Tyrod Taylor was a backup for four years, not four decades, okay? I mean, he is not a career backup. He was a backup for a couple seasons. He's 27 years old, not 33. And they're going to get to a Ryan Fitzpatrick comparison. I'm not sure I can go farther without my head blowing up. But they make a Ryan Fitzpatrick crack at some point in that thing, which makes no sense because Ryan Fitzpatrick had been a career backup a guy with a record before Buffalo that was not good in all sorts of different places. And then he came to Buffalo, had a few good games, and they gave him a reasonable contract at the time. I mean, they make fun of that too, but at the time we all went, okay, well, that's not the type of contract that is going to Drew Brees. I mean, I, I and also, you know, making it about... Uh, which part of it is the next part about Buffalo play the next part. This is Buffalo and there are certain this cities Buffalo. in America are low self-esteem sports cities, Cleveland, Buffalo. Cleveland. Let's start with Cleveland. That's a great, that's a great decision to start with Cleveland since they just won the NBA finals. It's a great decision to start with Cleveland and uh, low self-esteem with Cleveland, I always looked at them as the opposite way, and us too, that we more overwhelmingly believe in the teams and are optimistic about the teams than we are what he's saying. Here's how I know. The Bills haven't made the playoffs in 16 years, 
and they sold out every game. So tell me that they're some sort of low self-esteem. I actually think that of all the cities that don't win a lot, Buffalo probably has the highest sense of pride in their team of any of those cities. More than probably Detroit, who I also think is just, you know, a sadness factory, or San Diego, they show up to the games, they care about the team, they're proud of having an NFL team and proud of the history, so that's another ignorant statement from a guy who lived in Portland and then L.A. Thanks for telling me all about Buffalo when you live in L.A. and Portland before that. I appreciate the commentary. Duffs or Anchor Bar, guy? I mean, and also, again, what does Buffalo have to do with anything when it comes to quarterbacks and sadness factories? The New Orleans Saints were the most pathetic NFL franchise in the entire league for at least two decades, maybe three, and then got Drew Brees and are amazing and won throughout his entire career, and that's it. What does signing Tyrod Taylor have to do with how we feel about the team? You know, it really is proof. It's funny, every once in a while you'll hear somebody say or you'll get tweeted or a whiner line call when it's something about, well, you know, the the national guys are saying this. Like, great, good for them. This is the best proof. And just play this over and over. Not only saying things that are just blatantly factually incorrect, but then also trying to make it some statement about small market losers up in Buffalo want to pay a quarterback who had a 99 quarterback rating last year, went 8-6 and as a starter, 20 touchdowns, 6 picks, and also ran for almost 600 yards. Why would anyone want to give that guy any money when Brock Osweiler, what did Brock Osweiler do? Played like three games? But I'm sure his city is bigger and has more listeners to that show who uh, maybe have been there before. So it's an interesting plan that uh, he has there to just you know trash whoever the small markets are that he doesn't care about. But when it comes to what's maybe factually correct, is really problematic there. And that's what I want to start with. By the way, Brock Osweiler played eight games, had an 86 quarterback rating, 10 touchdowns, same number of picks as Tyrod. Tyrod significantly better then Brock Osweiler, and Osweiler got a big contract. So I don't know. I don't know what I, I don't know what any of that is about. But I have much more appreciation for the guy who runs the Spot Track website and you know lays out the facts and tells you how you should actually feel about a contract as opposed to just trolling people to try and agitate uh, either agitate Buffalo fans or just have people who live in New York or LA or his bigger markets go, <laughs> yeah, Buffalo, they're so dumb. Because it's a great contract. And that's what I want to get to. I, I just I feel like I should apologize for even hurting all of your brains with that. So I'm sorry. But if you want to talk about the Tyrod contract, let's do it. 8030550, Matthew Collar, Nate Geary. Nate played me that clip when I came in today. Just what is this mess? And the biggest thing for me about the Tyrod contract is that it is a prove-it deal. Because I think throughout the offseason, a lot of us have felt 
more positive about Tyrod Taylor, especially since he's really taken charge in camp and there hasn't been any questions about him being the number one quarterback in camp. He's played very well. Uh, was out at the scrimmage they had the other night. I mean, he's just running away from the other quarterbacks now. Nothing close to a competition. He looks like an NFL starter, and he looks like an above-average NFL starter, at least at this moment. In terms of the statistics he put up and in terms of how he has taken over at camp and how he's looked at camp and produced there, and I know that whatever you could say that means nothing, but it's always funny that when the quarterbacks were a disaster at camp, over the last, oh, I don't know, 10 years or so, we could tell, all the reporters would tell you, uh, yeah, EJ's hitting tents, so uh, that's probably not going to work out all that good. And it didn't. And uh, Tyrod Taylor looks a lot different now. So when we're talking about giving him a contract and what it means to this year and what it means to the future, for this year, It just means that all the pressure that we thought was on Tyrod Taylor is still on Tyrod Taylor to emerge as one of the better quarterbacks in the league, or at least middle to upper half. I don't think anybody's putting him in Aaron Rodgers range, but giving him that opportunity to make big, big, big money. So you've got extra incentive, not that he's a guy that seems like he ever needs it, but you've got the extra incentive there to prove he could be the franchise quarterback. And if he's not, I was just running through scenarios in my head. And again, 8030550 to jump on. Scenarios in my head about what Tyrod could do this year and the type of decision the Bills could make. So if you start with the best case scenario, he just makes a lot of money. They go to the playoffs, they go 10 and 6, he throws for 4,000 yards and runs for another 500, and we all celebrate in merriment that the quarterback has arrived and that. We know for a long time they're going to be good and competitive. That's one scenario. The other scenario is that he has the same exact season as last year. In that case, I believe you take pick up the option and you keep him as your quarterback because he's good enough to put you in a position to go to the playoffs. If you have 20 touchdowns, 6 picks, 3,000 yards, 600 rushing in 14 games, you have given your team a good chance to go to the playoffs. And really, how close were they last year to going to the playoffs? Maybe one more throw in Philadelphia, one more throw against New England, a stop here or there against Kansas City, and they are in the playoffs. That's not giving an excuse. That's saying if a few things break their way, a middle-of-the-road quarterback can put you in position to go to the playoffs. And that's worth paying for because there are so few of those In the NFL, look around the league. You've got your elite quarterbacks. You've got your guys who can put you in a position to go to the playoffs. Maybe you're Alex Smith's. And then everybody else is fumbling around in the dark, hoping to find a quarterback. You would pay for that. You would pay for that opportunity to have good defense and good running game and get in and compete. There's also the scenario that Tyrod Taylor does not do well that they figure him out with whatever he was doing last year. They figure out how to stop the deep ball with Tyrod Taylor. They force him to throw to the middle, and he just can't handle it. This is another potential scenario that things go down. Well, if things go down like that, then what you'll have is a top draft pick, almost a guarantee that if the quarterback plays poorly or gets hurt and is out for the year, there will be an opportunity for the Bills to draft very high. 
and Deshaun Watson is the guy everyone talks about. They'd have to get to number one for that. But you would still have an opportunity to draft a quarterback high. We'll see who emerges throughout this season. And if you're the Bills and you're laying out these potential scenarios, you've got to feel pretty good about where you stand. That it's totally up to you with what you want to do with this quarterback based on an opportunity to get a bigger sample of games than just 14 to see him as a starter. It's exactly the right move. It's exactly the contract that I think any of us envision. We said, if it's going to happen, it's got to be like this. You can't sign up a guy for $100 million guaranteed when you're not sure yet. Because he was a sixth-round pick, because he was a backup, all those things, all right, okay, because there were times last year where we thought he was really great or there were times last year where we thought he wasn't so good. And we've got to find out if it was just a 14 game, if it was a Nick Foles where he's really good for a short period of time. I'm not calling him Nick Foles, by the way. Or if it's a guy was a backup and the Bills got him and now he's good. And this gives you the opportunity to find out and it puts a little cash in his pocket. It makes it so Tyrod Taylor does not feel like he's being disrespected by the team for the entire season by not paying him. I cannot find a problem with this. If you've got one, let me know. 803-0550, Let's start with John in Buffalo here on WGR. How are you, John? Hey, what's going on, fellas? How you doing? Uh, doing good. So I just want to just kind of just uh, back up some of the great points that were made on the show today. Um, the contract absolutely makes sense. Like you said, it, it, it puts a belief system behind Tyrod Taylor. Uh, he did prove himself. It's nothing that he... More he has to prove, but just basically can he continue to do the job, which I believe he can. Backup quarterback, yes, he was behind another great quarterback. Learned, sat down, studied the game, continued his you know, path to, to greatness. So once again, the contract makes sense. It's not guaranteed. Buffalo's a city of pride, and that's the reason why we're backing him and believing in him. I'll let you guys answer. All right, thanks, Sean, which sort of is funny because it goes against exactly what Colin Cowherd was trying to tell people that Buffalo fans think, which is always pretty interesting. Um, but, you know, he, he's, he's got the model that works to get people angry at him. You know, just the first thing you do is you ignore the facts and pick out something ridiculous to say to upset people, and then you insult where they live or tell them what they think of their team, even though you've never been here or talked to anyone from here. So, okay. Uh, 803-0550, 1-888-550-2550. Let's go to uh, Matt in Angola on WGR. What's up, Matt? Hey, how you doing? Uh, a couple of comments. I'm on the Internet this morning. I see that uh, Garoppolo uh, started, played the entire half. I see he threw for 168. He was 11 for 18. I see Carson Palmer played. I see Sanchez played. I see RG3. I got to see Tyrod play tonight. I don't want to treat him like a China doll, and, and he doesn't have enough experience. He's not proven as fans. You know, you got Belichick's the best coach in the NFL. He's willing to put Garoppolo out there for the entire half, and that's all he's got. And and I, I need to, to for me to have respect for the coach and, and to get pumped. I need to see Tyrod for a few series. I'll hang up and see what you think about that. Okay. Uh. Well. I don't need to see Tyrod throw one pass during preseason. 
Uh, I don't think that everything Bill Belichick does is right. It's also a completely different situation. He's got a quarterback coming in that has not started before, essentially. I mean, it, it, And I don't need Tyrod Taylor to get hurt playing a meaningless game. And when it comes to how much improvement he's going to make because he plays in a game one of preseason against the Indianapolis Colts, I mean, I just see zero benefit of playing almost anybody who starts on the team. I, I had Ryan Lacell on this morning. He's uh, one of the guys in, in Rochester, and he was on with me. And he brought up a great point as to why Tyrod Taylor has no business being on the field today. And it's mostly because if you look at his left side of his line, the starting offensive side of to his left left side of his line will be Cyrus Quanjo, and I don't even know his first name, but his last name is is Groy or Croy. I have no interest in putting a guy that they are in a, a prove it contract to play behind a pair of guys who right now we don't know are NFL players. I just have no interest. It's the first preseason game. Sammy Watkins isn't out there, so you're not going to have Tyrod and Sammy getting any sort of chemistry or timing down. What the heck is the point of putting him out there when, when fans are already bashing this team for all the injuries that have, have already happened in a week and a half of camp? There's just nothing. There is absolutely nothing to gain for having him out in the field tonight. All you can do is somehow lose by him either getting injured or, or name another terrible scenario that can happen because it's the Bills. So, like, just assume something bad will happen. Why have him out there in the first place? See, now you're buying into what Colin Cowherd said. That's what you're doing. You're being the negative guy. That's your problem. I'm trying to find the box score last year of EJ Manuel against the Panthers. Didn't he have a, like, just, didn't he have a really good game? But nobody even has the preseason box scores. Can I find this thing? Maybe ESPN has preseason box scores of last year. I mean, I, I think it really will tell you just how meaningless these preseason games are when you look at how bad players have performed, and it just doesn't mean a whole lot toward the regular season. The preseason is for the 53rd versus the 54th player on the roster, and I don't see how it helps Tyrod Taylor in any way. I, I don't see how it helps him get up to speed or what what it does. I mean, I saw last night Teddy Bridgewater played a little bit. He threw a touchdown, then they got him out of the game. I wouldn't be doing that. I think you're taking a risk that you really don't need to be taking. I mean, Sammy Watkins got hurt in preseason. What good did that do anybody when he injured his ribs? What good did it do anyone to have Stefan Gilmore get hurt in the preseason? Tyrod Taylor doesn't need to feel the pressure of full speed or have somebody hit him. He'll be fine. Like, I don't know, three plays into the season? I mean, if they do it, I'm not going to say that uh, they should shoot Rex to the moon, but I'm certainly not grading Rex Ryan as a coach based on whether he plays a quarterback who, in my opinion, should be sitting down and staying away from anything slippery. There are two super overrated term football terms, and you said one of them, and it's playing at, quote, game speed. I think game speed and culture are the two most overused and the least important things that you can you could possibly have. Tyrod has played 14 games last year. He's well well versed in game speed. Th- that is just to me a terrible point to make. Well, yeah, I mean, I just I think that the preseason in general, I mean, you get some nice TV ratings out of bringing football back, and that's probably the only reason it still exists. With the off-season workouts that these guys do and the training camps and the OTAs and everything else, I 
would be willing to say that they're ready to go. And here's your proof. When the Hall of Fame game was canceled, Aaron Rodgers said, I bet everyone's thrilled. No one wants to play in these games except for the guys who are fighting for roster spots. So play the guys who are fighting for roster spots. Play Cardell Jones. I think we're all interested to see how Cardell Jones looks, right? I want to see him get some throws in there, get some reps. I want to see him play at a little game speed. Sure, yeah, I want that. And if Cardell Jones somehow gets dinged up, then oh well, because that's your third-string quarterback. The entire season rests on Tyrod Taylor, as it does for almost every team, every quarterback except for the extreme circumstances where somebody has the number one defense or historically good defense, and like Denver, they end up making it. But almost all the time, whether you make the playoffs or not, has to do with how your quarterback performs. Any percentage of risk of putting Tyrod Taylor out there for a potential injury is just not something I'm going to agree with. Let me just get Paul real quick here before uh, we hit the break. Go ahead, Paul. Hey, Matthew, thanks for having me on. Um, sure. I agree with all the points you're making. I think probably the two biggest comparisons when you look at what Colin was saying, you know, it's a cheap shot at Buffalo, which the national media always wants to do. Until we start to win, it's always going to be there. But, you know, you look at Brock Osweiler, you know, he got a four-year, $72 million deal, which is pretty much exactly comparable to Tyron, except they don't have an opt-out clause. Somehow with a lesser body of work and a much better defense, he's heralded as this, as this great free-age quarterback. You know the Houston acquired, which I think is kind of a it's a poor comparison because everyone thought that was a great deal. And then when they talk about Tyrod being a backup, you know, he was drafted in the sixth round behind Joe Flacco. It's not like he was ever drafted with the intent of coming in to take over that offense. So it's a really poor comparison, and if anything, it's a strength because he had those four years to learn behind someone of that caliber. So I think it's a great deal. I'm excited for the season, and it's just time for us to finally win and get them off our back. Thank you, Paul. Appreciate the call. Real quick, uh, thank you to Stampy the Bills fan on Twitter. Um, I would just go with my regular name, Steve, Bill, Bob, whatever. But Stampy the Bills fan sent me the screen grab of the box score from EJ Manuel last year. 20 for 30, 146 rating, four touchdowns, no picks. That was EJ Manuel in the preseason last year. Yeah, I don't need Tyrod to play because that doesn't mean anything. All right, 803 The scenarios I laid out, Tyrod Taylor's contract, let me know what you think. And tonight, what are we watching for? Preseason game. Sal Capaccio will be coming up at noon. He's going to give us a full preview of what battles to watch. There are positional battles, and uh, some of them are, I'm not being sarcastic, some of them are actually pretty interesting. But we'll stay with the Tyrod contract uh, when we come back. Here on WGR. I never really uh, focused on it. I know I've said that many times in the media, but my mindset has always been on football. So ever since I was little, I played the game. I mean, because I, that's what I love to do. God bless me with a tremendous talent to, to play this game and uh, fortunate to be able to play this game for, for a living. That is Tyrod Taylor. Now, normally I would say that is Tyrod Taylor, who just signed a five year, $92 million contract extension. But that is an inaccurate statement, so I'm not going to do that. I'm going to say that is Tyrod Taylor, who just got some money for this year, and then we'll see later on if the Bills are going to pay him more money. That is your synopsis 
of his contract. We could run through the details, but uh, he's got a chance to make $27.5 million in 2017, 13 more in 2018. It is pretty clear that the Bills know what they're doing in terms of managing the salary cap. They've been able to pay players. So far, they got Marcel Darius for a huge contract, and now they have signed Tyrod Taylor at a deal that is going to be cap-friendly for the Bills going forward. A lot of uh, bonus money, but really it's a one-year deal, and then they can decide to pick up the rest if they want to. Now, what are the chances that that happens? 8030550, You could get left in a tough spot, I think, if Tyrod Taylor has a slightly worse season and the Bills miss the playoffs again. That's the only scenario that I could come up with, just running through them. Outside of injury, I don't even want to talk about injury. Just don't want to, don't want to talk about it, especially if it's a preseason injury, the uh, caller last segment, wanting Tyrod Taylor to play in the preseason. I don't need that. If he throws a couple passes tonight, have we heard, Nate, if he's going to throw any passes tonight? They haven't made any roster announcements on who plays and who doesn't tonight. Obviously, you can make the connection of guys who have been injured in camp won't be out there. Corey right. Glenn and uh, and LaShawn McCoy, they've they've made an announcement on LaShawn McCoy. He'll get maybe a series. Don't do it. Don't maybe. do it. LaShawn, don't do it. Just take these four weeks off, buddy. Do some wind sprints. Stay in shape. Get ready to play real games. Because LaShawn McCoy is another guy that the Bills are really, really going to need. I mean, I, I don't even want LaShawn McCoy, Sammy Watkins, Tyrod Taylor, or Charles Clay even showing up at the stadium. Because I want them to play only in games that matter. I don't think that it is going to help them or make a difference over a 16-game season with any sort of reps that they could get against the Colts here. And when it comes to the fans and wanting to see the Stars play, I I don't think that people show up to preseason games with it in mind that they're going to see much of the Stars playing. I think tonight, if the weather holds out and it's like this, if it's hot, then it'll be just fun to be out there with people playing football in Bill's uniforms and just the experience of going out Sort of like a warm-up. You get your preseason game going on for a little tailgate and watch the game, and we do the same sort of thing where you people will flip back and forth between the Olympics and seeing what whoever, you know, Cardell Jones is doing for the Bills or Des Lewis. Like that's what that's what we do in the preseason. That's what it's about. And for the team, it's about which guy is gonna make the roster. Uh, maybe somebody could make a difference in terms of a depth chart that's actually already on the roster with the wide receiver battle or something like that. Who's the second running back might matter with some preseason. But to the Buffalo Bills, it didn't matter last year what happened in the preseason. Other than Tyrod threw some passes in the preseason last year that indicated that he could be an NFL quarterback, which we needed to see after he had never done it before. But beyond that... E.J. Manuel had the most absurdly awesome preseason. I mean, it's got to be like a historic preseason to have a quarterback rating of near perfect. He's like video game numbers and did not win the job. And then when he started against Cincinnati and when he started against Jacksonville, it was the same player. All those things factored in. I don't need to even think about seeing him. But as, as we go forward, some different scenarios that could play out with Tyrod Taylor that this contract covers. If he's amazing, 
if he's a pro bowler again, maybe not like, you know, the fourth or fifth quarterback down the line, but a legitimate by just what it's supposed to mean, pro bowl quarterback, then you just give him the rest of the contract. And if he's better than he was last year, you've probably got a a nice contract for the team going forward with your salary cap. If he is the same quarterback as he was last year, eight and six last year as a starter, let's say he does exactly the same. 3,000 yards, 600 yards rushing, 20 touchdowns, six picks, same thing, blueprint, or uh, whatever they call it. Um, then Then you pay him the money because that's good enough to build a strong team around him and then get to the playoffs at some point. If he's slightly worse, you probably still pay him the money. That's a much tougher situation. If it completely implodes, then you don't, and your team is probably going to win three games and you draft a quarterback. Set yourself up pretty well here if you're the Buffalo Bills with this deal. And I just have a tough time poking any holes in it, especially with uh, all the players that they've signed, that they've given money to, the star players that they've been able to keep around. It's, it's always funny to me when I hear all these conversations about the cap. Oh, the cap. What are you going to do with the cap? What are you going to do with the cap? And you come out with a contract like this. I mean, this seems to allow them flexibility. Even though Doug Whaley had said before, well, you know, if you're paying a quarterback, then it's a lot harder to keep around your great players. That may end up being the case with Stephon Gilmore. But everybody else... I mean, they're paying LaShawn McCoy. They're paying Charles Clay. Those guys are getting big money. They pay Marcel Darius big money. And they're still going to be able to pay a quarterback a, a reasonable amount. And it is pretty funny, though, with the, the Colin Kaepernick comparison. I mean, just, I don't know. I mean, they've had the same offensive coordinator. They had some similarities, but not really. I mean, Kaepernick was, he did his running out of like a read option sort of thing. Tyrod Taylor more does his running uh, when he's chased in the pocket or as a second option. If he doesn't find his first wide receiver, then he takes off, and he had a, a good amount of success in doing it. Tyrod Taylor has a deep ball, and that was really his calling card last season. Is He had one of the best deep balls in the NFL. That's not Colin Kaepernick. Colin Kaepernick had to play in an offense with lots of short passes because he's not the most accurate. I mean, I guess those nuances when you're just trying to make big statements to make people upset, like Colin Cowherd was in that clip, I mean, I guess those don't matter. But I just I don't see them as being all that similar. And I also think that if Colin Kaepernick continued to play similarly to how he was uh, with a really good team around him, the team fell apart. The roster fell apart. Their defense was really good for his first couple of years, and then that became a disaster. Frank Gore was excellent their running game tops in the league and then that started to fall apart I mean there's a lot of nuances to that sort of thing but I don't see it as being that similar of a deal especially because the Bills can get out of it after one season that's for sure and and just I've been looking through here and doing a little research on on other quarterbacks in this league and their yearly average with this new new contract that he signed this typically or this one year contract extension, we'll call it, where he makes a little bit more than nine and a half million. He is the 24th ranked quarterback in yearly salary. Before signing this deal, before signing this ridiculous deal that he signed, there EJ Manuel was making more money than he was on a year to year basis. Now, I understand he was a first round pick, but how can you or anybody else? 
Colin Cowherd make the point that somehow he didn't deserve to at least get the money this year that he's going to get this $9.5 million that makes him just under Ryan Fitzpatrick on a year-to-year basis. Because $100 million sounds a lot sexier than going through the details on SpotTrack.com. And having Matt McGloin make more than your (laughs) starting quarterback. I I, I just, there's not really enough that I could say about that. But when you look at the numbers, it it is a no-brainer. A no-brainer. Okay, so here's the next sort of natural step for this. We all like the contract i think i i don't think anyone has reasonably looked at this thing because if you didn't like it what would be your reason well he's got to prove it exactly well that's in the contract right but buddy's gotta prove it i know it's in the contract you know it's like a idiocracy or something with I, I just you know seeing some people argue with it but the next step is how we're feeling about doug whaley after getting this contract done if we're all in the same camp that they just got a really good contract done with Tyrod Taylor. How confident are we in Doug Whaley that he deserves the continuity that this team has talked about so much? We'll talk about that next. Sal Capaccio coming up just afternoon. Matthew Collar, Nate Geary here on WGR. All right, back here on Sports Talk Saturday, Matthew Collar with you along with Nate Geary as we run through Tyrod Taylor's contract and discuss the not-so-many-issues involved around it. There really aren't that many. It's a one-year prove-it contract, and if he proves it, he gets lots of money. If he doesn't, then it was a really, really bad year, and the Bills draft a guy in the middle probably means he still gets paid because that's the type of contract, five years, $90 million, that is an in-the-middle deal. If you look at the other top-end quarterbacks, uh, they're making a lot more money than that. Drew Brees is making $30 million a year. So the top-end guys are making quite a bit more than what Tyrod will, even if he does prove it. So if he's in the middle, they would still want to continue with that contract. The only scenario I could think of that is tough with Tyrod's deal is if he's a bit worse. (laughs) If, If it's... 16 touchdowns, 17 picks. Maybe that's really bad. Guys don't throw picks as much as they used to. Let's say 17 and 13, and maybe he goes 6 and 8 or something. That puts you in a really tough position. That would kind of depend on how repeatable some of the things are or what the issues were for why he had a tough year. If Sammy Watkins isn't 100%, I think anybody could have a tough year. Think about what Aaron Rodgers went through last year. I know he still had a good season, but it wasn't as good as he's been in the past. In the past, he's been the best player in the league, and he loses Jordy Nelson, which uh, brought up by a texter a little earlier when it came to how much the Bills starters should play. Yeah, there are injuries every single year, and I would rather not uh, the Bills be one of the victims of those injuries. So starters either get in, don't hit anyone, and get out, or don't play at all. I would prefer to see Tyrod Taylor not take a snap until, hey, maybe if he wanted to play, what did Jim Kelly used to do? Maybe play a one series or something, and then he wouldn't play at all the rest of the time. Maybe it was the fourth game he'd play a series. Maybe I have that backwards. But I don't remember ever seeing Jim Kelly play Uh, in the preseason, which I think tells you the Bills didn't want to lose him. They knew if they lost him that they would be in a lot of trouble. 
Real quick on Doug Whaley before we get to Sal Capaccio. Doug Whaley, with this roster and this quarterback, it's his now. With EJ Manuel being someone's draft pick, you know, we the whole front office made that pick, whether it was Buddy Nix and his roster. Now, not every player is drafted by Doug Whaley that's on the roster right now, including Marcel Darius. But for the most part, this is Doug Whaley's roster, and this is his quarterback that will be tied to his success and Rex Ryan's success, too. And this deal, which I know is a lot to do with Jim Overdorf and the contract people that they have, because, you know, every team's got to have your capologist and so forth. But in terms of the Bills front office, getting people paid, making deals that make sense, keeping star players around, and being able to bring in star players from the outside, these are different things from the past. And... I don't know when everybody else has it projected that the drought is going to be over, but if we had to do a confidence level in this general manager and this front office against all of the last, you know, previous general managers and front offices and so forth, uh, I think it's way higher. And ownership is a huge deal, too. I mean, ownership is making sure that players get paid and making sure you keep your stars and not letting Marcel Darius walk and things like that. But confidence in where this team is going should be at its height from a really long time. Before, you would know a guy who you work with who would say, you know what, this year's our year. And you, and everybody else would go, oh, okay, yep, yep, sure, buddy, this year's our year. If uh, Edwards takes the next step, all right, we're just going to hope and pray on that one, right? I don't feel like it's that way anymore. I don't feel like it. Uh, there's only one guy in the room that thinks that the team is going to be good uh, the next year or likes the direction. 803-0550, Sal Capaccio coming up next. Positional battles, we got them. Preseason is here. Also, coming up on the show, Hope Solo had some things to say after U.S. women's soccer lost, and Alex Rodriguez with an awkward exit from the Yankees. We'll get to all that, and Sal coming up next, as well as your calls at 803-0550 here on WGR. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.